Hello everyone, and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 255. My name is MBZ, and uh, I am here joined for a very special edition by Bally. Hello Bally, welcome to the show. Uh, it's very I special to have you here as always. Yes, as always. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm feeling good. Very excited yeah, about this excellent. special episode. Yeah, absolutely. This is the this is the content people want to hear right now at this point in time. You know, this is the hottest game around, uh, and we have brought on a true expert to discuss the hottest game around. Of course, video game writer extraordinaire, friend of the show, Mal Oregon. Matt, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here. We've got such a big game to talk about, and ah, uh-huh. uh, oh, just yeah, can't can't believe we're here, we're here to talk about it. Finally, it's been yeah. a long time coming. It's been many years, uh, some would say, uh, almost a decade. I mean, it's been, I don't know, eight years, I would say, uh, I think, since it was first revealed. Um, but, um, of course, everybody, we're joined uh, during this uh, important time in May, Nintendo's most important release. It's, of course, Metroid Prime Federation Force. Yes, <laughs> uh, we are here in the year of our Lord 2023 to discuss Metroid Prime Federation Force, um, a game that I think has lived in infamy for a long time and for a lot of people has been forgotten uh, and was kind of just left to the wayside um but most recently uh, myself bally and matt all got together and over a few weeks um basically spent time playing metro prime federation force the way it is meant to be played online co-op um and uh, and yeah it was it was well we'll get into our thoughts on it but um metro prime federation force is a game that has a lot of stuff going on and i think it is worthy of being discussed in the nintendo pantheon and it's one of those games that i think not a lot of people will ever get to play in the same way again especially right with the eShop going away uh, and all that stuff happening um it feels like a a game that um you know eventually all the online stuff is going to disappear too uh, and it's going to be very difficult for people to get kind of the same experience that that we had uh, going through this thing um but um but first of all i guess uh, i just wanted to uh to go around the table maybe talk about um what were our feelings when this game was first announced because of course um the game was announced in a weird way it was announced back in e3 2015 and initially uh they they actually showed a side part of this game kind of side project uh, which is blast ball which was announced without the metroid name and was announced as part of the nintendo world championship for 2015 um where it was one of the challenges that players had to do a brand new game announcement i just rewatched it uh, tonight and they show the kind of world premiere wording before it happens um and then they just go into gameplay and it's like oh this is a weird rocket league thing with balls and then the next day, when Nintendo have their press conference, they announce Metro Prime Federation Force, and then they also add the Metroid Prime title to Blast Ball as well, um, and uh, and everyone has kind of like a, a weird reaction to it, uh, and a, a probably a not great reaction. So, um, Matt, I'm going to go to you first. What were your feelings around the time when this game was first announced? Oh, it was so weird, wasn't it? It was such a bizarre announcement, and it had been so long since we'd had a Metroid game that I don't think it could have gone any other way but but quite sour. Like the the reaction wasn't good and I I, I wasn't as angry as like some people on the internet were, right? There was there was like mm. proper anger from from some corners of the Nintendo community, but just a bit it was just a bit disappointing. It was during that weird time in Nintendo's life before the big switch boost where it felt like nothing could go right right like that was the sort of yeah the weird bit and uh and yeah i just remember having basically no excitement for it at all it felt the chibi art style looked really bizarre um it 
wasn't focused on Samus, which is such a you know an important part of the the Metroid games. It was a multiplayer focused game on a yeah. console that wasn't known for its multiplayer, and mm. uh, and yeah, and I think I think for like a lot of people, you know, uh, they're selling this four player multiplayer co op game, and I just sort of went. I'm probably not going to get a chance to play that in that way. <laughs> That's uh, getting four people together to, you know, play a multiplayer Metroid game is a bit of a hard sell, I think. So, um, yeah, I was just a bit gutted when it, when it was announced and then quickly lost interest in it. I don't think it was ever really on my radar to pick up at launch or anything like that. It, it just sort of passed me by and it just felt like a a wasted opportunity when another Metroid game could have been made and when it had been so long since we'd had a Metroid game. And I think uh, I think part of how I feel about it now has changed because the context around Metroid has changed, right? It's, that's part of the reason I'm sort of excited. I was excited to get back into it. Because it's like, oh, mm. we've had loads of cool Metroid games. We've still got Prime 4 to come. Let's go back to Federation Force, see how it is. Yeah, I think that's really important, right? Because at the time, there hadn't been a mainline Metroid game in a lot of years. And the idea that they were bringing it back in this form, I think for a lot of people felt insulting maybe because you know we hadn't had a 2d metro this was before samus returns had been announced um and obviously it was before the kind of the teaser of metro prime 4 uh, following the launch of the switch um at that e3 in 2017 so um it felt like a uh kind of a a comeback in a bad way um and uh, yeah I, I think a lot of people felt that that similar kind of disappointment um bali how about you what 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 did you feel at the time when this was first announced well our podcast started in like 2013 and i went on like a massive metroid prime high i want to say i think i played prime 1 in 14 or 15 i can't remember that was near Mm. that time and then i played prime 2 kind of a little bit after that but i was on a big metroid prime high at the time i thought wow, even, you know, a decade on from these games coming out, they are fantastic. MEZ needs to play them. I am now um, <laughs> a Metroid Prime evangelist. And, oh, you know, Nintendo announcing a new Metroid Prime? Oh, it's a multiplayer shooter. And I think I joined the chorus of people, I imagine, being very grumpy. And I wasn't that excited about it. I, well, I think it pr- proves a point, the fact we've not we've only waited until now to play it maybe subscribe Dark Simon at the time Um, and yeah as you said Matt like the 3DS wasn't known for its multiplayer and by that at that point in time before Metroid Prime 4 and it'd been a long time since a 2D game people were crying out for a single player Metroid whether that's 2D or 3D and this was neither it was a 3D multiplayer (laughs) game and I think it just upset so many fans including myself at the time Um, and yeah I was I joined the course of negativity and I'll hold hold up my hands. Yeah, it's interesting. So I I went back and actually listened to our episodes both from the initial reveal mm. um but then also there was treehouse stuff that happened during the week so we followed up in the the episode after that to kind of discuss, you know, once we'd actually seen gameplay and things like that. Um so some quotes from me. Um I said it looks like an early DS game. Uh, quote <laughs> crushingly disappointed. Excellent. Um, I also said, uh, it looks like they made this game, then Nintendo made them stick Metroid on top of it. Like, Next Level oh, had this idea for a yeah. multiplayer shooter, and Nintendo did the Star Fox Adventure thing and came in and were like, hey, what if you just skin that with um, some Federation troops and, and we make it into a Metroid uh, kind of thing? So um, I think a, a lot of people actually, when Blast Ball was first shown, were kind of looking at it and thinking, well, that seems 
kind of metroid you're like holding a charge beam and it looks like you can lock onto the ball like i think there was some suspicion there and the, the funniest thing is going back and watching that nintendo world championship they transition from blast ball and guess what the next game is it's super metroid <laughs> so they, they basically oh, wow. just okay <laughs> yeah they put it right on the nose there without actually telling anybody so um, but yeah yeah exactly um which uh was was very interesting but um but yeah i think um bali so you you said you were talking about how like um metroid's supposed to be about exploration and isolation and so you were super concerned that they are missing the point <laughs> mainly because it's uh you know it's it's an online shooter right. and you're just worried that basically it's going to be just shooting and corridors are bad guys which i think when we played it this time as well that wasn't kind of reflected because i remember you saying like this yeah. was isn't what i expected from this game you thought it was gonna yeah. be much more yeah. i just thought it was like nintendo's take on halo you know you're cooperatively yeah cooperatively playing with people shooting waves of enemies and that might be fun for some but wasn't what i was excited about at the time um even now having mm-hmm. played seven halo games later like i still prefer yeah, that yeah. like you know <laughs> solo metroid isolated experience because that's what prime's all about yeah absolutely um and then after we watched the treehouse uh, i was like it looks pretty fun but it's nothing revolutionary um which i don't know you could probably apply that to my thoughts today as well but i think you know obviously there's some added context there but um but bali you said you want you you would hope that there was a campaign with an engaging story because that's where you can get excited about the metroid universe you're like i want some more lore here i want them to kind of <laughs> dig into the backstory um and yeah i mean it, we did really get that but we could we could no, talk about no. it um the funniest thing was that you compared it to Evolve, which is a game I haven't thought about oh, in a wow. long time. But oh, yeah. in the context, wow. it was 2015, <laughs> and Evolve had come out and was yeah. a kind of cooperative. I mean, it's asymmetric, right? Because one person played a monster, right. and so this is slightly different. But I think because we watched the Titan mission, so the, the mission they show on Treehouse is the one where you trap the four ice titans in the cages. Right, yeah, I remember that distinctly. Yeah, same, I remember that, yeah. And, and I think, uh, Bali, looking at that, you were like kind of thinking about what evolve had done and we're like oh this is kind of similar in that way um and and i think we were both talking about how like well evolve died on its ass how is this game gonna do on (laughs) a platform that isn't built for multiplayer that people aren't really interested in like yeah it it felt like it was gonna be quite dire i think also a first person game on a system where you could potentially have a a version of the system that doesn't have the kind of analog stick um even though the analog stick in the end doesn't really play a huge factor into the controls of this game you can use it if you want um it was i think it was still concerning right Hmm. um so so yeah it was very interesting to to go go back uh and kind of relive those thoughts uh, and uh yeah as well like now like you said matt coming into it today metroid is in such a better place right we have had a remake of metroid 2 on 3ds we've had metroid dread prime 4 is still a question mark and is still like i don't know what we're gonna uh, see about that but you know metro primary master just came out this year um and i still have yet to play it but um but yeah i don't know how, how do you guys feel about the state of metroid at the moment oh it's great isn't it it's it's so good like and you can tell that um you can tell they learned the lesson to a certain extent they may be overcorrected when they announced samus returns for 3ds and at the exact same thing that's when they announced uh, metroid prime 4 and yeah. that felt like it, they'd learnt from Federation Force in terms of being like, we can't put out like a smaller game without letting people know there's going to be a bigger game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Dread is one of my favourite games on the Switch. One of my favourite Metroid games. I think it's fantastic. Um, Samus Returns, I really had a great time with. Prime 4 sounds like it's actually going to, you know, happen. Uh, Prime mm-hmm. Remastered is one of the best looking games 
I've seen on any console, which is mad considering how sort of long in the tooth the Switch has been feeling recently in other titles. Like, it really feels like Metroid is, is back in a way that it hadn't been since that sort of weird Game Boy Advance, GameCube, and then going into the DS and the Wii. Like, Metroid was so big and then it disappeared and then we got Other M, right? So, like, Prime Federation Force wasn't even just a return for Metroid, it was a return to the Prime series, which I think hit even harder, right? Because we'd mm. had Other M, which people weren't happy with, and then it was like, oh, Prime's back, but in this weird way, and they put Blast Ball first. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Metroid's doing so well right now, and it's got, it really got me... I've been thinking for, like, two two years or so, I think, is I've been like, you know what? I should go back to Federation Force and see what that's about. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, Bally, how about you? How are you feeling about things? Yeah, I mean, Metroid is like one of my favorite series, both 2D and 3D. And we've had like the trilogy on Wii U. We've had the trilogy. Well, I guess it's not the trilogy on Switch, but primary masters on Switch, as you said, Matt, sounds amazing. I'd like to get back to that at some point. The fact that it's so, it's such an old game, but just did so well critically is just so healthy for Metroid Prime. Like it, that's the thing, oh, yeah. that's the real shot in the arm Nintendo thing I think needed about Metroid Prime that, you know, they've got this huge wide audience now with the Nintendo Switch. Metroid Prime was on the GameCube and then the Wii and many of these people were very young when those games came out and like for remastered to come out and still make such big waves is I think really impressive and yeah, I, I mean Samus Returns and Dread are both top-notch. I think Dread is considerably better, but I think they're both top-notch 2D games. So I think since Federation Force, Metroid has done fine. And, you know, it's a shame that Prime 4 is so incredibly delayed and restarted, but um, I'm sure when it eventually does come, it'll be pretty pretty intense, pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I think, like, it's weird because we have not had a game from Retro Studios in... I mean, we're closing in on a decade with Tropical oh, Freeze being the last game um so i don't know there was all that um do you remember when reggie left nintendo and there was that picture that retro studios gave him there's all that scuttlebutt about there was this weird robot character <laughs> the robot the hand that, off the side yeah, right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um and people were like was that a game that retro are making that got cancelled um yeah it's it's there's a lot of like theories or kind of speculation on what has been just going on at the studio uh, in, in the last um few years but uh i don't know it feels like metro prime remastered and what they did with that i think lends a lot of confidence for people uh, of what they can do with with a new game so and you know i'm interested right uh, i i have to i'm contractually obligated and we've talked about on this podcast to play metro prime <laughs> this year so i have to do it um and here's the thing right um i think we should just kind of talk generally about our, our feelings on metro prime federation force but um i love this game i thought it was so good <laughs> and i think it has like uh you know primed me um to to get into metro prime itself uh, from a controls perspective as well because you know you kind of have the limitations in the same way that you did on on the, on the gamecube obviously metro prime remastered fixes that and gives you dual analog which is very nice but um i feel like i got a little bit of the original gamecube experience of controlling metro prime with this game because the kind of uh, second stick isn't great to be used um you have obviously motion control stuff in there so it's a bit reminiscent of of uh, prime 3 as well but the whole locking on using a button to kind of sidestep away from enemies that type of stuff um it, it kind of like engendered me to it and I, and I felt like coming out of this experience i i think this game is surprising in a lot of ways it has incredible variety in its mission design um it has a lot of interesting ideas um you know it's it's uneven when it comes to difficulty and stuff and we can get into those things but on a kind of broad level, I think Metro Prime Federation Force is one of those games that people 
have slept on and i i understand why but i think now for me it is one of those games in nintendo's pantheon that i'm like man more i wish more people played this and, and i wish more people had the chance to play it in an environment uh that we did where you do have people online and you are communicating all that sort of stuff because i think there's there's such a cool vibe that this game has and also that that comment that i had from years ago looks like an early ds game couldn't be further from the truth right when you turn up the 3d slider in this game and the particles are going past and you're in a snow level and it's all the kind of you know bits and pieces in the air it really uh kind of has a sense of atmosphere right i think about one of the levels where you enter onto the planet and there's just a rainstorm going and it's like this ominous kind of it has those kind of lonely isolation vibes even though you are with multiple players on the same same uh kind of screen um so yeah i don't know um wh- what do you guys have in terms of overall thoughts on on this game yeah i mean i think that i agree totally and we said it's all about variety my biggest concern as you said back in 2015 whenever was oh it's just gonna be waves of enemies and this and it, honestly you know you you put some notes together and there's like 22 missions and every single mission is doing something new or different in a way i I would argue that there's nothing that is straight up copy and pasted from one level to the next maybe there's parts but i don't think there's not one whole level that feels identical to another level and i don't you can definitely not say the same thing about many uh, first person shooter co-op campaigns including stuff like halo like i think that a lot of those levels feel very similar um and that's also helped by as you said the aesthetics of each level like yes i think there's like three or four planets you're going to but you're going to very different locations within those planets and they do feel very fresh and different to each other and that's helped by particle effects and snow and the 3d looks incredible like as much as it's a shame that's on 3ds because my thumb would get so cramped from all the shooting (laughs) and that sucks and i wish i could just play it with like a regular controller uh still the 3d is incredible and that's something you gain from the 3ds that um you obviously can't play with a modern metroid prime game so like i think that it's very fresh it honestly like it's freshness and the enjoyment i had i put it up there with like triforce heroes and i know we're very different on that game mm. mz but like i think similar to that there's a lot of nintendo nice level design in here like cooperative stuff that um shouldn't be missed uh and there's even yeah. some really nice surprises like um i don't want to spoil it maybe we can spoil later but the final boss yeah we can maybe go into some spoilers fantastic end, but yeah that's um yeah. <laughs> really good stuff like i think it was just so surprising so fresh long and meaty like 22 missions it took us about nine ten hours mm-hmm. like i think that is that's a, that's an ideal cooperative campaign length in my view and it's not too short and i like that about it i think it's it's awesome it's tough but it's fair for the most part and um i loved it yeah and it's funny you bring up triforce heroes because I, I do think that i've i i like that more in, in hindsight now i think i think i i forget some of the frustrations which is ironic because like this game we had none of that and and that's like every time you go play a nintendo game online you're like well there's gonna be something terrible about this it's gonna break it's gonna disconnect well we were playing with like a random person i want to say for most of it whereas this time we've oh got for triforce heroes yeah right, that's true exactly. yeah totally um but like there were frustrations of like getting into a lobby or just like waiting between missions and federation force obviously like it's it's mission structure is is kind of defined in a similar way but 
there was no dropped connections ever right like it was smooth everyone mm, there was no yeah. lag everyone was like in position and, and you knew where you were and you could you know heal each other and all it's that sort no of one stuff. else is on it the was servers like, right yeah, yeah, that's true that is that's true. not necessarily but, true we found random games which is really weird well yeah exactly we did bump into quite a few yeah yeah there were there were random other people who were online at the same time so i don't know if there's a, a cult of metro prime federation force fans out there who are just constantly online just waiting every night for someone they to... don't know when their last day is that's the problem so they need to play every night yeah yeah exactly um but um but yeah i i, I think it is ironically one of the smoothest nintendo online experiences i've ever had and yeah. i'm like kind of blown away by that because um, i never so. had to think about it i never once had to think about the online as soon as we matched up together that was it for the rest of the session right and then we finished the yeah. session i never once had to be like oh yeah i got a bit of lag there or anything like that it, yeah it felt like we were playing in the same room via like you know just wireless next to each other or something like that it was yeah it was really smooth um and and like you got to say really good really good game like the variety was fantastic to the point where like there were levels that i was like i actually wish they had repeated yeah, totally agree. some of the things mm-hmm. a couple of times because it was so good and then they just dropped it and moved on to something else and like you could have gotten a few good missions out of some of the the more puzzly bits because like you say yeah. like, i i went in thinking it was a you know a left for dead sort of you know wave based shooter i think right. i think i was picturing sort of a gears of war horde mode left for dead but mm. in the metroid universe and it's just not that it's a it's a metroid prime style game with some interesting ideas thrown in and uh it's funny to say the controls as well because you guys both used the the single stick controls didn't you um yeah i think i tried at the beginning to use the alternate ones that use the the second stick but the thing with the second stick is that you really have to like very hard push on yeah, the side to get it, it to like move it. in any way it, it doesn't feel smooth like it feels like you have to put such effort into getting it to move um and i did end up like holding down the uh the trigger in order to activate motion controls a lot um and we can kind of dive deeper into this but the controls are they're very specific and they they obviously have the layer of metro prime where you lock onto enemies and you can you know use your uh, b button to kind of dash to the side but you can also hold down the analog sorry the um the trigger in order to add a bit of fine motion control yeah and that allows you to within while still being locked on aim at a specific spot um so you can aim at some of the enemies like the bruises have like these green spots that you have to aim at or when you're moving around balls for puzzles in the environment you can uh, aim at the bottom of a ball and kind of like a snooker ball it will chip it uh, depending on like the specific angle you have on it um so so yeah i think that that made things it was tricky because you there's always this weird um kind of push and pull when it comes to 3d plus motion controls at the same time yeah and i think did all of us play it on uh new 3ds's is that I correct did, yeah. yeah yeah so so at least we have the kind of uh, upgraded 3d which helps like when you're moving the 3ds around because the older versions right you kind of lose the focus of the 3d once you're moving it at the same time oh so, god yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so that benefited definitely but um but yeah and i so but i i do think when you think back to it right it's almost genius if someone was trying to pitch a first person shooter on 3ds and someone went well there's only one stick the first instinct from someone at nintendo would be like metroid prime right yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. what's yeah. the one sort of like shooter series it did, it did really feel like metroid prime on gamecube like that that feeling of locking on and dashing as you described before mbz like that is how metroid prime feels and um yeah in some ways that's kind of like 
that'd be the thing I'd be most scared about going back to Metroid Prime 1. And if I did play the remaster, I might try the new control scheme because, like, I, I don't think Metroid Prime is the best shooter. And that's why in 2015 yeah. I was so skeptical about this game because it was all about the exploration. And I think that's where this game does shine is that, it, as we've already said, it's not just shooting, it is the exploration. And had it just been shooting, I don't think, as good as the control scheme is, I don't think it necessarily holds up quite as well and just doesn't feel comfortable after a while is the other problem like it, it, it's not quite there when it comes to pure shooting mechanics yeah totally and um yeah I, I think comfortability is also a problem with the 3ds as a system generally like uh i value you're always saying at the end of a session oh my hands hurt so yeah. much um <laughs> every time we played it there, there was a um, point where i think we had like 15 20 minutes we were like one more mission value was like no my hands, can't <laughs> yeah. my hands need a rest I, mean, like, <laughs> I think that's partly because i didn't use the charge beam quite as much as i thought i would and as a result right often you'd charge up a charge beam you'd let it fire and there was no homing on the charge beam and it would just go into the abyss so it yep. felt much more secure <laughs> to just constantly Hammer tap a to just do <laughs> chip damage and it was much more locked on as a result with, with the vast majority of enemies um but the downside of just mashing on a for 20 minutes is your thumb is just exhausted after a single mission <laughs> depending on which kind of mission it is but yeah 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 exactly and um and i think uh the enemies because they can come very quickly and have uh, a lot of them kind of surrounding you there is almost that that gut reaction of and i'm I'm finding this again we've talked about horizon on our recent uh, nintendo episode but um i i generally when it's in a panic situation you kind of just go for the default and the default in this game is just tapping the fire button (laughs) as quickly as possible um and so i think you know when we were under pressure from waves of enemies coming it would end up being like okay i'm just i'm firing and then you kind of have to take a second to be like oh wait i have a I have a missile here. I can switch to that, or I have a, a, a you know a shot that you know does electric damage, um, and and you can kind of rotate through them. But I think that your default state always ends up being well. I this is this is the thing that I don't deplete a resource from, right? And I tend to be one of those players as well, where I'm like, well, I can't deplete my resources. You know, I'm the guy <laughs> at the end of a JRPG who has 99 potions still because I'm like, well, just just in case that final boss battle, who knows? You might need all of them. Um, and uh, and I think this this game has some of that, and we were. We were very much like um, kind of saving things up when it came to like health recharges of like, I would find a health recharge and be like, okay, uh, do either of you guys have space? No, you don't. Okay, let's burn one of ours now, <laughs> heal, and so we can pick it up, right? Like maximum efficiency when oh, it comes yeah. to that stuff. Um, so, we're yeah. all very on board with that. Although I, I, it was funny because I think you do forget about the extra items. So like the, the missiles and the super missiles and then sort of the Federation Force uh, specific stuff. But then when you do remember them, you just start spamming those as well. Like if you're in a pinch, you're like, why are we struggling? You're like, oh, I've got like 30 missiles, especially you, MBZ, because you were the leader in all our sessions. You just had like an extra dozen or two missiles and then you just start using them. And then suddenly you're lower again. And I think we found that in a few boss fights uh, that we thought were going to end sooner than they did we'd expended a lot of our sort of extra ammo and then we're stuck just with the charge beam yeah exactly and yeah it's, it is a weird thing right i think it was I, I don't think we ever figured out like why i guess it is because i was the person who hosted it but it seemed like 
because I was the person who hosted it, they gave me an additional... Basically, every time you choose a weapon, right, it has a weight capacity. So everybody has a weight capacity you can fill up, and, you know, each weapon has a number assigned to it. So if you choose, you know, uh, an electric shot, you might get two two blasts of that for each, each one that you take. Uh, and for missiles, I think it was three as a default for everybody, right? So if you take one missile yeah. slot, you get three missiles. Mm. Whereas every missile slot that I took, I got ten missiles. <laughs> so, so I would roll into missions with like fifty missiles, and these guys would have like ten between them. Uh, and and so, I, you know, often it would fall to me to be like, "Well, I'm just going to spam these, you know, so that we can get through some of these more brutal, more elite enemies." Um, and and I think that's an interesting point as well, because one of the other things I did going back to uh, look at what people were saying about this game was um, obviously you know in order to get the best experience you should be playing with four people and we played with three people which i think is like as good as you can get um you know without having an extra person jumping on board um but i think the game is not well balanced around other scenarios right if you are two people if you are one person this game sounds like it is miserable um there was an episode of the lobby GameSpot's old show uh that they were kind of doing a post review wrap-up on it and peter brown was saying you know the first kind of few um levels uh, you know getting to a point where he basically as a solo player got completely stuck on a boss like he just couldn't progress because it was just so brutally difficult and there was no way for him to kind of get past it with with everything happening and you know not having firing support from people or again crucially not having the ability to revive somebody if you're on your own no one can revive you right so you're just yeah. as soon as you die the mission is over and one of the drawbacks of this game is that there's no checkpointing if you fail a mission you just have to restart the thing from the beginning um so i can't imagine at the time of like people who were reviewing this had a extremely frustrating experience of if they were just playing alone you know they're kind of screwed um and they, they were also saying that he called someone else in to try and play but they had to start from the beginning and i think what we had was because we were all playing together it was like okay oh, yeah. everyone played the missions mm. um but if, if someone if someone is on mission 10 and a new person joins they can't start from whatever mission the the other person's on so you would have to go from the beginning to catch up with those missions in order to make it work so um yeah i i think this definitely factors into some of the um kind of poor review scores around the time is that from a because they have to consider everything right when you're reviewing yeah. a game and from a single player perspective it's just a bad experience even though they give you a mod chip which is like hey it you take half damage you do double damage it's still not enough and i know like playing through this game multiple times we were saying to each other i can't imagine doing this as one oh, person, God. Right? I, yeah even with two right I, there was times when it was the three of us and i was like with two people this would be tough let alone just one um but yeah, I think we had a fairly optimal experience, though, for the for the most part. There were a couple of levels where you, you could see where a fourth person would, would uh, slot in, right? Like, um, there, were, there were missions where we were looking at sort of like... Every four... time you're pressing those buttons and things. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there were missions where there was like four directions. These room, these boss rooms that were designed with like four corners and we would take up three of them kind of thing as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think um, what they were saying on the lobby as well was as soon as as soon as the game went online, they basically went online to play with other people. And Peter Brown was saying like, as soon as he had those people, the boss was just a breeze, right? He was able to just easily get through it. And I wonder if four people it doesn't make the game too easy, but at least balances it in a way that it. It, I don't know. In some ways, I appreciated some of the friction that we had, some of the challenge. It definitely gets bad towards the end, and we can get into <laughs> that because there's some really, really rough spots. But I don't know. I, I, I wonder if, um, 
you know, four four people is definitely the optimal experience, but maybe it doesn't quite have the same mm. uh, kind of rigor that we had to go through in order to do it. So. I, I was happy with the difficulty. I think other than one mission where we just fully didn't understand how we were dying, where you had to go yeah. in those right. shield zones to avoid the, the yeah. sky falling. Um, other than that, I don't think we had to fully restart a mission, to my knowledge. Can you? No, we and didn't. I think that given how tough we found... A good handful of the bosses. I think that speaks to. I think they nailed the difficulty. Like, I think that's how difficult I'd want a co-op shooter to be. Is like you feel like you're gonna die, but you just scrape through. And we did that about three, four, five times. And I think that's quite a good feeling. Yeah, it, it, I think it was during the mission when it felt too difficult. It was in the moment because there was definitely a couple of times where like a load of enemies would turn up just after we'd fought like a mini boss and used all our stuff. And Bally definitely was like Metroid prime federation force you bastard what are you doing that sort of thing <laughs> like, yeah. um but then you get to the end of it and you haven't died and you've all survived and it feels like you're like okay you know what we did that even though it felt like we were going to lose a lot, a lot of the time we never did and that did it felt like we were scraping through and i don't know if that sort of helped with the atmosphere of the game right mm. like if it had been a bit easier maybe it wouldn't have had that metroid primey atmosphere because while we weren't isolated, you know, there's, there was three of us, it did feel like it was, you know, us against the world. It felt like we had yes. our backs up against the wall a lot. And in that sense, there still was a sort of a sense of isolation. You know, there was only three of us and we're surrounded by enemies on alien hostile turf. And uh, and yeah, it got really stressful at times. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, it definitely, the overwhelming odds sometimes with like, that could, because, you know, as you said you didn't you maybe expected it to be a gears kind of horde mode thing there are levels like that right like yeah. one of the levels yeah. you are kind of you're on an outside platform and a lot of enemy drop ships just keep spawning and you get thrown uh, a bunch of space pirates and you get a bunch of elites in there who are space pirates just with a lot more health and who do more damage and you know uh, guys with uh, kind of razor blade attacks so melee and come and kind of get in your face the flying guys who are just got a pain in the ass like and i think they're kind of a pain in the ass in metro prime as well uh the the kind of original games um but but yeah I, it's, it's funny as well from an art design perspective that you see all these classic metroid space pirate enemies and they they have the same chippy like art style that that we have essentially um which uh, I, I thought was a it's it's a cool kind of different approach to it visually i think i appreciate it more now than i, I did at the time yes yeah, i was introduced yeah um but yeah, adds adds a bit more flavor to it and, and makes it feel a bit different. Um, but yeah, I don't. Maybe we get into some of some of those missions um, and and some of the ones that really worked for us. Are there any um, for you guys that that stood out that you want to kind of chat through? I think the second mission is like a really big one to talk about because mm. yeah, mission one we played through and that was sort of it's a very tutorial mission, right? So you've got some enemies to fight. There's yeah. a couple of like uh, little lore pieces around. There's a couple of puzzles, but for the most part, it felt like we were just shooting a lot of things, and then there was a boss fight at the end, and a, a, quite a long boss fight, right? Like we I remember, yeah, that was the first sort of hint that we had that this game was maybe more difficult than we expected mm-hmm. it to be. Yeah, I think even at that point, Bali was like, "This game's going to get hard, guys." I yeah, can tell. <laughs> yeah, um, and it may may have been more tricky because we're still getting used to the controls at that point and like the fine aiming and all that yes, sort of stuff. Exactly. But, yeah. It, it is a kind of like it's a traditional first nintendo boss and there's like kind of a static big plant thing which i think tends to be the case for uh, uh, a lot of their games oh very metroid right very either you've got to be a static big plant or two big hands and a face like those are yes the... exactly uh-huh. yeah. gotta be one of those um but then you go into mission two 
And it was this sort of weird, yeah, Zelda temple almost, right? That's what, that's yeah. what we sort of agreed on. With mm-hmm. blast ball golf physics that required, like, puzzle solving of where to shoot the ball. And, like, we were working out on the fly and there were, like, four puzzles to go off on and some of them we did together and some of them we went off separately. Mm-hmm. And it was such a sort of a nice, chill change of pace and it completely, immediately changed my expectations of what that game was going to be. Yeah. Like, I, that was the first mission that we went, oh, this game might be something special. And the atmosphere was, you know, it was the... Uh, it's not the Chozo, but it's another... Is it like the Bios? It's another it's like sort of... desert temple-style Yeah, temple yeah. it's another sort of ancient civilization that's gone now, and it has those sort of... those vibes. And it was... Yeah, it just... It just completely changed the idea of what this game was going to be from then on. And mm-hmm. um, and that was one of those levels that I was like, they could have done more of that, but they didn't... They dropped that idea and they moved on to, to other things. And I, but I think it, even after, you know, 20 missions after that, that second mission still stands out. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a really really strong one yeah it's very unique and i think it's it's also interesting because they they do foreshadow things and they set things up like this and they prepare you with these mechanics because in that kind of safer more controlled environment you're kind of moving this ball around and you know doing puzzles with it and thinking okay now if i if i chip it underneath i can make it go higher and then you know much later in the game there is a boss fight on a big kind of moving platform and there's a huge thing chasing you and space pirates are jumping down and the floor is falling apart but you're still you know you you have that mechanic from before with the ball and now you're doing something very similar with it where you're moving it to specific parts but there's a lot more tension because enemies are dropping and we have to communicate to say yeah. okay I, I need to take out this guy uh you know bally you're on ball duty so you're you're gonna have to get them up to the <laughs> maybe my and, favorite you know, level that one actually oh, that was, was my really favorite good. level yeah. yeah i think i think we need to talk about that actually because that was mm-hmm. so good <laughs> yeah exactly and and that entire thing is built on the bones of what they do in the second mission and kind of continue you know in other missions throughout the game where you will still find these kind of like orb sections but it won't it won't quite be in the same way every time and i think it's it's a really nice way of um kind of like introducing which nintendo are great at like introducing mechanics and then it's slightly different to what they usually do with like mario games it's like within a single level you kind of introduce mechanic then twist it and whatever they they kind of do that across the whole game in, in a sense um while also being very different but like there are levels where there's you know multiple there's a payload level and then there's another payload level but you're doing different things with them um but yeah i i, I like that idea generally um uh bali do you have like one that you want to chat through is it, is it that one in particular that kind of like big boss fight i mean that would be my yeah. favorite but i also want to shout out the uh two kind of the two payload ones so one mm-hmm. you are on a payload basically moving to i think two, one or two players have to push the payload and one is kind of running around just fighting other enemies and you have to mm-hmm. get into these bubbles that protect you from the raining meteor things that happen every like couple I of minutes. I think it's like a lightning, lightning yeah, storm like a lightning. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um that was the first one and then there's a later one where there's no lightning storm uh, but there's a big old gun attached to the payload so we rotated oh, yeah. <laughs> like who was on the big gun taking out lots mm-hmm. of enemies and there was just a nice variety like it just kind of like it forces you to go at a specific pace and just discover the world at a specific pace. It's essentially a scrolling level, um, but it works for this game. And it's, it sounds very simple, but I actually really enjoy those two levels. Yeah, and it's interesting because in, in levels like that or in levels where one player has 
a more powerful weapon it does it does feel like it kind of imbalances the whole scoring system because this this game does have a <laughs> it has like a medal and right. scoring system whereby each player gets points based on i think mainly killing enemies right like i we did get points for like destroying pots and stuff though didn't we there was yeah, yeah and mods. finding finding mod chips mod, was like yeah. quite a big right. boost as well um yeah and little bits and there were other bits like reviving people gave you a gave you a boost oh, as well, okay. so, and okay. healing other people as well. So if I dropped a health pack for you, I got some points. So there was a, there, oh, yeah, there was okay. a little bit bits and pieces. Yeah, so so I think that um, it, that was always a, a thing at the end of like well, who's who's going to get first place, who's um, you know getting because you get kind of choice of, of mod chip stuff. And um, but I think that on those levels in particular you know i think i at the end of that level with the big gun i was just on it for the end and so at the end my my score was like way higher than you guys or like um you know in a level where i am mainly in the mech suit and you guys aren't you know i'm getting all the points at the end because i have to carry the kind of killing enemies part for for a lot of that so um it's it's a fun idea and like i think they're kind of doing it for a sense of replayability as well especially with the medals which are you know mainly based around you get points uh, you know bonus points at the end for how quickly you do a level or for doing specific like bonus objectives that they don't tell you about uh, until you've finished it so you you they, they're very much intending for this to be a game that gets replayed a bunch um yeah. and i don't think i would want to do that with this no. like, i i enjoyed <laughs> no yeah i enjoyed it much more as just a kind of run through and just experience everything um but you can tell that that was a that was kind of a guiding light for them in terms of what they wanted people to get out of this. It's like a, a Metro game that you experience differently and that you go back to it multiple times. I mean, you play with different groups of friends, but obviously its life cycle was not meant for that. And I, don't, <laughs> I don't know how many people ended up ended up doing that stuff. But um, yeah, I, I think generally the interesting part of these levels is that they do have that kind of metroid level design in the sense that there are secrets right there are mod chips um that we've touched on but not really explained but mod chips are essentially um kind of boosts that you can attach to your suit and you can keep them mainly until your mech uh, gets destroyed or died in which case sometimes they break but these are like uh, additional bonuses like plus 20 percent um you know armor reduction or uh, damage reduction uh, you know 20 percent extra armor or you know increasing the amount of damage that your charge beam or your regular beam does um or like a fairy essentially that auto revives yeah, you free revive. and then, yeah then gets destroyed afterwards um but yeah, I, I think Matt, you you would tend to be the one who is very good about hunting out and finding all those uh, kind of hidden things in the level, um, which which was fun. And, and yeah, I think, it, you know, it was a, it was a nice little element that you could just completely ignore, right? Like, there's no actual need to do it. Beyond, it gives you a bit of a boost, but it could be. Yeah. But it was just nice to. There was the levels are they're very pretty, but they're also very readable. And there's always a sense that you know, like if there was a bit behind you that was a bit open or a wall with a crack in it. And you could, you know, that just a small sense of exploration that added that item discovery from Metroid Prime. Because that's the main thing that this game would be missing otherwise, is the discovery of new items and how to get them. And instead of giving you items that then, you know, you discover new items with and that rolling Metroidvania style, it was more the weapons that you picked from from the beginning, right? So you could have a fire weapon in an ice level. And then if you pick the fire weapon, you could if you used it up on all the enemies, then that's that. But if you've got spare and you come across like an ice wall, you can melt it and find the mod chip behind. And that was always the the incentive for going out and exploring. And um yeah, it was just a really nice little extra addition. And it was always it was good as well 
if you guys had gone on ahead or if I'd gone ahead and someone stuck back, there was always one person finding something that the others had missed, which is quite a nice thing to have multiple players in a Metroid game is that you don't yes. run past the cracked wall, right? Just when you're by yourself, you've got someone to be like, right. oh, over there, yeah. Yeah, it's multiple pairs of eyes, right? To keep a, you know, um, a lookout in the environment because they, they were decently well hidden and, and there were some that required like platforming challenges and it, I think it took us a while to figure out like how the kind of hover uh, jump worked where yeah. you almost had to jump uh, and then do activate it quite late so you almost fall past a ledge and then you like hover back up to like just about get on it uh, and it was always just, like fun watching everybody jump across because you're like oh it looks like you're gonna fall to the depth and then you just like oh, slowly crest back up um which um I, I enjoyed and was definitely um something that you had to do in certain parts to to get those mod chips um that were kind of out of the way and, and in the distance um I think uh, one of the levels that stood out for me was the uh, Mission 6. So this is basically where you get to this planet, and this is the kind of rainy atmosphere I'm talking about before you kind of land in. The rain is coming down, and you, you kind of enter this big area, and there's this huge kind of like laser wall in front of you. And there's a place where you can dock your suits. And so, in fact, in this game, uh, you actually end up getting out of the suits, which I was not expecting at all. And it was a really nice surprise to have something completely different where the whole, you know, up to this point, five missions, you're like, you're doing lots of different things. But, you know, the core of it is I've got a bunch of weapons and I've got these mod chips and I'm, I'm in my mech and we're kind of like slowly wandering through this space. And then you jump out the mech and suddenly you're very small. And it's really nice because, you know, you, you, you go through this laser wall that you couldn't before. And it becomes a totally different game where you like are... the morph ball of the game. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you are stealthing through this area. There are kind of like guards walking back and forth. And you have to hide in um, kind of cubby holes uh, where they can't reach because they're too big. Um, and it creates a bit of intimidation, right, with, with these, these space pirates who, you know, they, they are chibi. And so you're not as uh, kind of like, I guess, afraid of them uh, <laughs> usually. But like as soon as they're much larger, you're like, oh, no, I can't can't get caught by these guys. Um, and and yeah. I think that there was some really cool little puzzles there where we had to split off into three different rows and we had to like get on top of these um these kind of like uh um crates and there were jump pads to boost you up to like the the higher area and it was just a case of like not being caught by the pirates because obviously when you're this small chibi form you're going to take a lot of damage and you potentially die very quickly um and that that did happen i think like there was a kind of platforming challenge where was it me? I think I died in the lava because I fell in the, the, the oh, kind yeah. of water. And I basically had to wait until I was slowly kind of moved to the other side for you guys <laughs> to revive me. Um, which I th- I would say that's one of the weaknesses of this game is if you do like fall off a ledge or something and you end up dying, which happened a couple of times. There's a later game mission where Bali, right at the beginning, fell down a hole and Matt and myself spent like another five minutes trying to navigate this yeah, maze yeah. to try and get to you. And then Matt <laughs> found you and revived you, but then you fell down the hole again. Like it was... I think that's um, something that was a little tricky with this in terms of, yeah, it's nice that you can revive each other, but it kind of can screw you over quite quickly because at the end of that stealth level, we get to the end and then it's a kind of a race. It is an escape sequence essentially on the way back. Um, And if any, if all of us had fallen in that green goo, that would have been (laughs) it game over. We would have, you know, one, one errand jump uh, in that platforming sequence and we would have had to start again. But um, yeah, at least you reduce the, uh, the percentage chance by having more people available and therefore more people to revive you. But um, 
but yeah it, it happens you know a little bit more in the game but i thought that first sequence where you know you jump out and it's just it completely changes the game and i, I thought that was a a great kind of mark in its favor of like hey this is really stepping out of its comfort zone and it's trying different things and i think that's when i think about this right it's like next level are a very talented studio and yeah. i think a lot of people you know when they saw this they were like well it just looks a bit bad and i don't know but i i did always have confidence in like the, in the like back of my heart that like i know next level make good games i know they can pull something out here but i think um g- going through that s- section in particular i was like okay yeah yeah they know what they're doing they're, they're smart these people um so yeah that that one stood out for me for sure um yeah maybe we can talk a little bit about before we dive into some more, more levels how did you find some of the systems right like we talked a little bit about the mods and the ammo and the weapons but how do you find managing all that stuff and the way it was kind of like utilized you know within the game i think it it works i think there's maybe one more layer than i would have liked i think the managing of some of the mods as nice as it was um I probably could have done without or they could have made it just ever so slightly more simplified i think you you end up getting quite a lot of mods and for about two-thirds of them you don't even consider using them to be honest like i, I think to this day we still never used any of the um what do you call it the the not the droids the like you could the drone you like a, stuff the drone right yeah, Did we use a well, drone and like. So well, here's no, the thing. That's only single player, right? Oh god, right. right. So that's why I was, I was again from the episode of the lobby. They were, they mentioned that, and I was like, oh, the drones are literally unusable as soon as you have two players or more. So if you're on your own, you basically have it as basically like a buddy, essentially, or like an AI right. companion that helps you, um, which is, I guess, their mitigation against not having extra players to help you out. But I guess we could never experience it because we're we're playing with each other the yeah. whole time. So yeah, it's yeah, it's slightly annoying that they keep those drone mods in there. Um, That's what I was going to say. We kept getting served those, and every time we were like, "What is this for? <laughs> is this for us? Is this for something that we're going to get in the future?" Yeah. And just yeah, it always felt a bit rubbish when we got those. And, and I think it was it was very easy. So say you've got your missiles, your ice missiles, your flamethrower, your super missiles. It was very easy to just shoot off the wrong one by accident, and some of right. these, if that's a super missile, you're you're only going to be carrying one more or less, um, and it's a little bit finicky at points to manage in your mind all the different things that you're holding. And in reality, if it was a GameCube controller, each one would be on a different point on the C stick, for example, in Metroid Prime. Um, I think that's mm. a little easier to manage in your mind, um, but I guess that's more to do with blaming the 3ds not necessarily the game design i think it's just they're kind of shoehorned into like how do we make this work best and i think they did, they did the best with the tools they had yeah i agreed I, I think i think i'd be more annoyed about that stuff if we hadn't been playing in multiplayer as well because it almost was funnier when there yeah, was three was of fun. us around <laughs> and when you're just like you're like okay i'm gonna hit it with a super missile oh no i just fired my health pack at it that was the last health pack and i just fired it at the boss okay good <laughs> And there was yeah. that element, yeah, that was it, right? But whereas if I sat there by myself, I would have just been really annoyed with the game for like letting yes. me do that. Whereas yeah. I yeah. think in that context... Shooting a super missile into the abyss was very funny um, the couple of times I did it. Yeah, exactly. So I think that helped. And I think the mod chip thing was actually quite weird because um, by the end of the game, because of the amount of medals that we collected, you could have three mod chip slots. And at that point, I quite liked the mod chip 
selection and you could sort yeah. of mix and match and we had quite a good system where I've, either one or two of us had the one that boosted the amount of healing that the health packs did and there was like a radius boost from the health packs mm. yeah and that was a really cool mod chip that we picked up because then suddenly rather than just using one health pack for one person we were having to organize so that we were all stood next to each other when we dropped yep. one <laughs> so that we all got a little bit of healing from it and that added to the teamwork and the communication and you could combine that with still having a bit of power you could still add like 20 percent to your charge shot um if you had all three mod chips equipped but until mm. we unlocked all three it felt like a much more limited system and yeah. i don't think it would have lost anything by just letting you have three mod chips equipped right from the beginning of the game like unless it's just because there weren't that many available like but by the time we got to the end we'd hoarded up so many that yeah, yeah it felt like if we'd been able to mix and match right from the start it'd have been a bit more of a fun system to work with but it it did it, i think it's amazing how much this game sort of prompted communication between us as well like yes. and using you could stuff never like the, really the winston shields and stuff where i'll be like right everyone come in here and then just, you put yeah. out a dome like <laughs> yeah. shield like that stuff is is really satisfying to use yeah and we we sort of touched on that one mission but that that one with the the big platform where we were having to mm. catapult these you know explosive balls into things we 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 didn't do it on purpose but we ended up set up in a way where i was at the back releasing the explosive balls from their yeah. thing to and then i was but i couldn't see further forward and further forward was where the floor was starting to get blown apart by the enemy's artillery yeah. so i was having to ch- check with you guys you know uh like is the middle lane still open for like the thing you're like your middle lane's fine yeah. left, left. <laughs> did, did the ball land properly or did it fall down a hole already yeah, yeah. exactly like left lane oh that's blown up da, da, da. and then i and then i was firing towards i was like well, okay one's in the middle bally was doing that and then what one's on the right mvc's doing that and like it was just yeah i think this game was really really good at promoting communication and it's why it makes it quite surprising to me that you know it released with no voice chat right it, it yeah if you're playing online with people you just sort of had to bark little commands at them that were built into the game but i feel like that would have been a much lesser experience than what we had yeah it's really funny you bring that up as well because nintendo tends to do that right is they 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 put in those kind of like on the touch screen you can do a little yelp that says something <laughs> link generic. with the pom-poms uh, and triforce heroes just driving uh, well exactly bananas. well that's that's the thing um i um you know listening back to that episode bally obviously triforce heroes was shown off at that e3 as well and on the podcast you are you're complaining saying basically during that segment audrey drake was going oh and you know in this game you can uh you know we don't have voice chat but that's you know it's a bit of a puzzle it's a bit of a challenge for the players in order to uh you know use those, like, uh, those commands to see if you can communicate <laughs> and you were like nintendo are just they shouldn't they just should be saying nothing about this the fact it doesn't have voice chat but and yet they're trying to yeah promote yeah, the yeah, idea of the voice spin, chat being a bad thing <laughs> yeah the spin on a voice chat being a bad thing and in fact there's a, you know there's a quote-unquote puzzle to communicating with these, these things um i thought it was very funny which you know same thing applies here for federation force where you know you can do those yelps which we never did right like i think they are available but how do you even use them are they on the d-pad or something i think they might just be on the touch screen right okay. um, i think they were on the d-pad actually. i think you could assign them to the d-pad because you never oh, okay. we never touched that bit but they might be on touch screens but again you, if you you know you're given full voice chat you're never going to think about it if you want a bit more challenge you know <laughs> yeah if you want federation force to be more challenging yes. that's how you go about it <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. No voice chat, uh, commands only. Uh, that's that's the speed run uh, for Federation Force. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think um, did any of you did either of you use the touchscreen for scrolling through weapons at all? Because I tended to just use the X button to scroll through them. But obviously, touchscreen has stuff like the the bigger map, which helped uh, for like seeing how how far the level was uh, or how long the level was and what we could expect coming up. But um, I, I tended to just kind of manually do it with with the button, but. Don't know what yeah. you guys were doing. Yeah. No, I, I was the same. I was just manually scrolling through the button, and again because I was on the um, on using, I was using the little C stick as like a right analog stick, so I didn't have any sort of spare spare fingers or thumbs to even use on the touch screen because I was I was firing with the right trigger. Um, but in the little down moments, it was quite useful to sort of you know scroll through, see what the objective was, see what the map was mm. looking like. I think frequently we're like, "How much longer is this level?" And then you look at the map, like you zoom out yeah. to a bigger thing. You're like, "Oh, there's the boss arena. I see it. Mm-hmm. The big circular yeah. bit at the end." Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it really didn't like it, it. Let you know where where you're gonna end the level, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I didn't really use it much. Yeah. Um, I, I think in terms of the weapon stuff, uh, there would there felt like there was like a clear hierarchy of the best stuff that you had. Like missiles were always a good go-to for just eating health away because it did feel towards the end when they throw a lot of elite enemies at you, they just tend to become bullet sponges, right? Yeah. Um, and charge beams are cool, but they felt quite unreliable because enemies move quite a lot. Mm. And the slowness of a... I think you were saying a lot of, like, charging a charge beam and you shoot it and then it just misses because the enemy slightly moves out of the way. Yeah. Um, became a bit frustrating. So I think leaning on missiles, for me anyway, I mean, I took, like, 50 every time. So <laughs> clearly they were working for me. Um, but it felt like that was kind of a guaranteed thing. But it was also interesting because each mission kind of gave you specific stuff right and you didn't have everything for every mission um and and i think we kind of found a strategy that that felt a bit foolproof of like well ice ice beam here seems pretty overpowered um and yeah we you know oftentimes in these missions we'd get to the end and we'd be like the target time was 10 minutes we took 25 woof okay (laughs) we're never gonna do that and there is one boss this giant beetle uh where the target time was you know seven minutes or something and i think we beat it in two and that's because we we found a cheese strategy with the freeze where you could freeze him and he would just sit there and we would just spam missiles and then you just freeze him again and we just lock him into this kind of routine i i feel a little bad because we didn't really see the pattern of that boss at all we basically just absolutely annihilated it i don't even remember what he looks like it went by so quickly do you know what i mean like it was yeah yeah and yeah the free the free shot was absolutely the the sort of the the best weapon we had in our arsenal at any point mm-hmm. and whenever we weren't able to take it because you you're right you had a different selection of weapons each time and you had to pick which weapons you wanted but you had no context for how that would be used in the mission which always mm-hmm. felt slightly weird uh, but every time you saw the free shot you're like okay cool that will come in handy at some point yeah and even if it was just for crowd control right because sometimes there's like six enemies and you just need one to calm down for a second so that you can you can manage things um i think it it ended up being versatile in a lot of ways and obviously you know you can use it for certain puzzles for getting through areas but it was the the one that you would want to lean on if you could for boss fights and i think there were certainly boss fights at the end of the game where we really would have loved to have the ice missiles but we just didn't we didn't have the ability to um and and yeah it it definitely was something that that we learned on quite a bit i think um but yeah, how, how do you guys kind of generally find like the enemy variety in this game and, you know, the different kind of stuff that they threw at you? I, I think that 
generally the space pirates were core to this and there were different variations on them um and it might be nice to have a few more but there were there were fun things where there were uh, enemies that kind of like rolled at you you had to dodge out the way of kind of smaller uh, you know turrets and things like that um how do you find kind of like fighting all those i think i think it fitted the metroid prime theme well which is you will get the the locals as it were you'll get the the enemies that are from that planet that are you know the dudes coming out the ground or something else and Mm. then you've got the the people coming in which are the space pirates and they stay the same but no matter what planet you're on really and i think that kind of is what that is part of how metroid prime feels and i think this game echoed that nicely I i would say there's a good five or six types of space pirate and that's probably yeah. enough for me I, th- I think a lot of the enemy types you can really map one to one with like halo for example and i think that's all the enemy types you really need in my opinion i think it was fine yeah no no i i, I agree and then you had like there was a surprising amount of like one-off enemies as well um in like the level where we were holding off a load of enemies from the drill and there was these big you know clanking tanks that were coming over that we we didn't see before or after that because they were you know they were bigger targets and uh and yeah alongside and even like um the little weird metal gear looking robots yeah. that only turned up on the uh on the sort of more mechanical planet and even then turn up in maybe sort of two missions to the point that when they did turn up for the last time i'd completely forgotten about them um the space pirates are, are like but it says it he, they are the things that are the constants throughout and i think the ones that we were probably getting the most frustrated by at, yeah. towards the end but oh purely because you know they was in a couple of missions they'd started just throw a lot of enemies at us and i think we'd suspected that might be the case even from the beginning right that the challenge would would go up there but once you we, we learn how to deal with them and uh and it always did pose pose a tough a tough old challenge but it was the like you say the bullet spongy you'd get elite versions of the regular ones elite versions of the flying ones and uh, whenever they came out you're like oh god <laughs> we're going to be dealing with these guys for a while yeah totally um and I, I think it's just um some of the variations on them right like the invisible ones like i the i think it's the mission where you have to find the quote-unquote the architects which are basically three balls three glowing balls in a level and you have to bring it back to the ship and you have to do that three times and these balls basically fly away from you but throughout that entire level enemies just they don't stop spawning they just are constantly spawning Mm. wherever you are and so it's and this happened a couple of times like later in the game as well i think one of the last levels where we're like i think these guys are endless we should probably just move on and the the right thing to do was to just run past them and just get to the next area because they just basically endlessly spawn them basically to force you to move on essentially um so i think sometimes the feeling came from that was like they literally were endless so it was like okay um we actually have to deal with this in a different way um but yeah i I think you know when they went invisible sometimes or um if if the, the flying ones were definitely there was that one level uh which is probably my least favorite mission in the game where uh, i everyone loses their suit um so you're back to being the two <laughs> and i was the first one to get my suit back and there's this entire there's this whole section of like boulders falling down where everyone was dying a lot and it was really and you know people got stuck in a loop of getting a hit by a boulder constantly and then there was a whole section of you guys going through like a little morph ball-y area hiding under little nooks and crannies meanwhile i had to deal with every flying enemy possible <laughs> and every flying enemy would 
you know, go directly into me. You know, they blow up and they just home in on uh, my mech, and I would just be bombarded by them constantly. And I never yeah. worked out how to take out the flying enemies consistently with them exploding without a missile. Like, did, did you no. have to use a charge shot yeah. or something? Like, how? Even then, I think they still sort of oh, did the. And they were so hard to dodge. Dive. If they started yeah. diving, I maybe successfully dodged it like once or something. It's crazy. Yeah. That was a yeah. frustrating level, but I think more so yeah. for you because you were playing baby Three levels, for like, basically. Yeah. <laughs> for like Matt seven did minutes. two levels, so just... and I did one level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. And I think the the tricky thing about that as well was the most infuriating thing was, you know, not not that it was your guy's fault for dying, but you both fell down a hole, right? And then what happened was you got spawned right back at the beginning. And, all and the so I, I went back to the beginning <laughs> and all the fucking enemies respawned again. And I was like, are you kidding me, video game? What are you doing? Because we've just gone through a gauntlet just to get everybody through. And I thought like, okay, surely, you know, they won't just respawn the enemies. But like, that was the point where I was like, well, you know, maybe we should just never look at any S game design ever again. Like, come on, let's <laughs> <laughs> let's not do this but uh they decided that was a good Be- idea beatles but... beatles game design yeah absolutely <laughs> beatles game design absolutely um but that said we did finish that level without having to repeat it so yeah that you know... was always the thing once you got to the end of it you went maybe that wasn't so bad it's just in the moment yeah. it felt like you're always on the edge of having to restart the mission but yeah. right but the, re- the revive system is fairly uh lax yeah we got a real all... system yes. of like right really be on it when someone goes down and and we we never got caught out and had to restart the level yeah um it was it was a case of especially in like the later boss fights where it was like okay bally you're on 5 hp just die yeah i'm on 55 <laughs> yeah and i can i can get you back up to 55 if you just die right now so there's a lot of strategic dying especially when we were like very close to death and you know just making sure that there was at least one person who could revive and then obviously if two people revived it was even faster so there was a benefit to that unless you're bally in which case your mario party skills come in oh, handy and you just insane. mash a like crazy to get I, people up i couldn't believe how fast i was getting up considering how slowly i was reviving people <laughs> with my weird yeah. un- unflexible thumbs just like uh-huh. slowly tapping it like an old man and then bally came over and just like blitzed through it with the turbo button yeah. or whatever yeah i love, um, love button so, bashing so... love it <laughs> absolutely uh came in handy you know you definitely need you need a balance on your team if you're going to play federation force just to uh to help you survive some of those those tougher encounters um but um but yeah um are there any other kind of uh missions you guys want to shout out that we haven't kind of touched on yet because obviously there's a lot of variety in this game a lot of stuff that we haven't gone through and we can maybe get into some bosses and stuff because those those tended to be like standalone missions uh, a lot with with the big fights that that mainframe boss with the twisting lasers oh bloody hell, that the yeah. second last level in the game that that was really tough like really really yeah. really tough that that was one of those ones where we thought that was only going to be one phase because it was so hard right. as it uh-huh. was and we used up basically everything that we had on its first phase and then it changed color and got more difficult and then we did that and it changed color and got more difficult that was when we were in our biggest revive cycle uh-huh because yeah. we had nothing else to learn to go back on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they make you fight another kind of mini thing after that. And I was like, are you kidding me? Are you yeah. seriously yeah. doing this to us? Oh, um, so, so yeah. I, I think those were definitely the low points. Like, Mission 20 and 21 back to back. Those were definitely the low point of the game for me. Um, oh, yeah. But, Which um, was really annoying because the, f- like, four or five missions before that were the high point for me. Yeah. We, I remember we came out of that session and we were like, that was so good. Like, every mission had been really interesting and fun. And then 
yeah, the the sort of the two penultimate missions were a little bit tougher and a little bit more like throwing everything at you. But um, but I think we all really liked the final mission. Um, and yeah, we can we can get into some spoilers on that uh, in a, in a little bit. But um, yeah, I think those previous missions we kind of talked about some of them. But right, one of them is the, the the payload with the big gun. One of them is that moving platform catapult boss, and one of them. Uh, you know, ties into something we haven't really touched on talking about at all. Um, but you know, Metroids are in this game; uh, they exist, and and one of those missions is going into a facility where there are a lot of Metroids inside. Uh, you know, uh, hatches or inside like containers, essentially glass containers. Back to tanks. Uh, yeah, basically, um, <laughs> and you can shoot those tanks and let the Metroids out. I think there was something like a bonus mission tied to that, or something of, of some kind. Um, but um, but yeah, there, there was a fun animation tied to Metroids grabbing you and picking you up, um, which we found out as Bally screamed when he got <laughs> attacked oh yeah. by a Metroid. Um, it was scary to see him getting picked up. Like from my point of view, I mean, he got he got grabbed and then he got lifted into the air and he looked like <laughs> he was possessed. Yeah, was, uh, which for like a chibi was, character yeah. is just very funny. Like something quite horrifying happening to quite a, a cutesy character. I think yeah. it's, it's quite a nice. <laughs> juxtaposition it was um no that was a fun it was a fun level it was was fairly late in the game so it was nice to see sort of metroids turn up in that sense as well it felt Mm. every every point it felt like the point in the game where they turn up in a metroid prime game right like at that point where you go ah here's the metroids exactly and um and there was like a there's a bonus objective tied to like eggs carrying them back as well uh which we weren't able to do which i think as you mentioned matt is tied to the secret ending of this game and the only way to get that is to get out of there with all those metroid eggs which we didn't manage to do unfortunately but um but yeah i I guess that kind of comes on to narrative stuff which we haven't really mentioned and i think is the trickiest part of this game because there are narrative things and like in every level there are bits of lore and there are like things you can read there's there's a little bit of quote-unquote scanning in there even if it's not scanning it's just kind of standing next to a terminal and reading a little uh, a piece of something um and you know i think the difficult thing about a game like this is we're on voice chat chatting through it and so you get to the end of the mission you're chatting through the mission uh, but also dialogue is happening and so the game is telling you stuff and it is kind of um, relaying some information about what's going on but it's i find anyway it's very hard to kind of keep track of that as well as talking to people at the same time um i find this very hard when i stream so you know when i, I streamed i think it's part of the reason why the story of fire emblem path of radiance and radiant dawn don't really do anything for me is because i i can't concentrate on it while i'm you know thinking about doing something else at the same time and so i'm like i probably need to go back and replay those on my own time so i can actually absorb it properly but i found a similar situation here where i couldn't really absorb it but also, I don't know if there was anything really major happening. Um, yeah, how do you guys feel about that? I think it was a, it, it was tough, like you say. Like I think the the plot is so juxtaposed to the the actual design of the game and how they want you to play it. And I I enjoyed it for what was there. And I've gone back to read up about it since and enjoyed the the little extras that are there. But the fact that you know there were these little terminals that you could uh, you could crowd around and you, you know you hold the interact button you get like i i mean we're talking what one sentence maybe of text yeah. like it had to be condensed down and you could tell that that was a concern because every mission you can get an extra medal for completing it in the least in below a time and the amount yes. of times that we came you know seconds away from being under that time and that could have just been if we hadn't been reading the weird law bit for right, seven seconds, yeah. 
we might have knocked under. So it, it feels like they knew they needed that prime scan sort of thing in there that they can't not be dropping lore. But it, it felt a bit of a compromise between that and the actual design of the game, which is, you know, you're going to be working together, you're going to be chatting, you're going to be uh, moving forward, like pushing forward for most of the time. Um, and where the exploration worked better with that, you know, you're trading off the time that you could clock off by getting the mod chips. This felt a little bit more roughly inserted into to that. But I liked I liked what I saw. It was a bit weird. I, I particularly enjoyed the um, the lore that was there purely from a game design point of view, which was, um, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but you know the the second planet that we always went to, the one that was more like the temple, the old... The deserty kind yeah. of, yeah. And my favourite lore about that is that they found a way to make things grow big. And then the space ah, pirates found oh. that, and that's why the space pirates are all really big. Because we're ah. in big mech suits, right? And normally right, the space yeah. pirates would be the size of the little people that we are when we come out of the mech suits. Yeah. But instead they're all really big. Um, and then that obviously huh. plays in in other ways. It does, um, yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I was confused about that when that first happened, and now I'm not. Because yeah. I went back to read up on it, and I'm like, that's a really funny bit of lore that is purely there to explain why space pirates aren't little compared to your giant mechs. And right. I think that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, no, that's great. I I, I really appreciate that. Um, and I, I wish there was a little bit more of that, right? Like, um, I think uh, we mentioned, or we maybe t- talked about this, but like there was a there was like a piece of law in metroid prime about like space pirates experimenting to try and become morph balls right yeah. like stuff like that that kind of is almost comical in a way right but but actually kind of uh, leans into the idea that there is there is stuff happening in this world that is apart from uh samus and, and whatever she's doing um yeah I, I think i think that's cool stuff um yeah, Bally, Bally, how did you kind of find that stuff? Because obviously, clearly back in 2015, you wanted a campaign with all the kind of, you know, <laughs> the lore drops and everything. Yeah, and I think without kind of like voice acted cinematic cutscenes, I think it does fall a little bit flat when you're trying to... Obviously, Metroid Prime doesn't have those. I mean, I think it does in Prime 3, actually, which is kind of strange. And it works for that game from what I've played of it. But like, I think that maybe that's something that prime 4 will have is like the cinematic voice acted cutscenes. i think that just giving you text to read through and you've got your designated you've got the time ticking down to read through between missions and then you're jumping in the mission together like it doesn't really work that well and the kind of gist of the story i got was like space pirates like invading and experimenting with things and that's kind yeah. of like the theme that space pirates have in the other metroid prime game so i kind of just got that vibe from it and didn't look too much into it I, i'd be interested to go and read up or watch some things about the lore like you've done matt and, and just kind of see how it all fits in properly because I, I didn't get a ton of it while playing i i think it's interesting that we because we are the federation force and we're working for the federation as well there's you don't get any of that autonomy that samus has to sort of discover their own things and like go on a mission for a particular reason we were just being sort of thrown around to different missions. So I never really questioned. Like, you get a little bit of an explanation why, but it always, it almost attempted to be mysterious because it was like, we've heard something is happening down there. There's a signal. There was a lot of, like, sci-fi terminology. But it didn't, it meant that whenever you got set up for a mission, you were like, I don't know, really know where we're going or what we're doing. 
and you never really found out until you got down there what was actually going on and even then that was happening you know midway through a mission and then during the end bits they were just like that was a success we have let samus know we have contacted someone blah 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 and it always felt like we were almost out of the loop because we aren't we aren't the federation themselves we're just sort of working for them and doing their stuff right. so it was always like yeah good work guys you did what you need to do and we'll sort out the rest and then it was like oh we're sending you here because something weird's happening go down so in terms of story it's all like apart from some slightly bigger moments it always felt like we were just along for the ride which i guess is what what the game needed for us to be able to play it the way we were yeah you you are just the grunts on the ground right and you yeah. aren't you aren't getting the full context of, of what's happening um and obviously they tease samus a lot in this game they're like hey we got a signal from her and she's hanging out um and, and yeah that was something that was interesting and we were always like well when's she gonna show up when she <laughs> gonna wait how long are we gonna wait how many uh you know how many more missions? how long are they dangling that carrot <laughs> yeah constantly which obviously they they're going to do uh, and it's within their right and you know they they hold it for a good moment but you know um it was it was just kind of a, a constant like oh are we gonna are we gonna find it oh nope it's not gonna be this time we're gonna have to wait till the next one and, and see what happens but um i i do find it really interesting that um they kind of take the idea of the bermuda triangle here because it's like the the name of the region is the bermuda like galaxy or something along those lines and there are three planets and i don't know i was almost expecting it to end in a halo reach-esque situation where we almost like sacrifice ourselves and we're never heard from again or we disappear (laughs) within the bermuda region like them setting that up almost creates an expectation um that that's what's going to end up happening um but it it doesn't quite uh work that way but uh yeah i thought that they might do something a little bit more with that idea but I think it was just, I don't know, I think it was just they saw three planets and they're like, oh, that's kind of like a triangle. Uh, Bermuda <laughs> Triangle? Sure, that's cool. Uh, so let's do that. So, um, yeah, they they never really went further with it, which was um, which was cool, I guess. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I uh, I think that overall, narratively, it's not it's not what you come to this for, of course, and it wasn't what they really made it for. Um, but I, I think that there are some, there's some interesting bits in there. I think a lot of people have talked about the kind of, uh the extra cutscene that you have if you get that secret ending and whether that will tie into metro prime 4 uh and that sort of stuff maybe we should get into spoilers now maybe we should uh kind of transition over um into kind of the end of this game and the final fight and all that sort of stuff um because i think there's some interesting stuff going on and i think it is it's probably my favorite fight in the game um and i think there's some some wild stuff that happens so uh if if in 2023 you are still listening to a show and thinking hmm one day i'm gonna play federation force uh with some friends then then duck out now but if not uh which i'm sure the vast majority of people listening uh will will be in that camp uh listen to us talk about kind of the the final uh, ending and stuff of this game um so sama shows up uh we get to samus yep. uh and uh and then they make her big and then you fight a giant morph ball as the final boss of this game <laughs> samus in a morph ball as a giant as the final boss of this game i thought this was fantastic how do you guys feel about this entire thing Bally, you are you i know you really enjoyed this um yeah i i absolutely loved it and when you think back to the where this game stemmed from with the the reveal of blast ball and here we are, like, you know, eight years later at the final boss, essentially playing Bla- Bla- Blast Ball, but against 
Samus, who is the ball. It's just such a great, yep. like, full circle of, like, everything that Federation Force is about. And, yeah, you're shoving Samus into, like, these electrified fences to do damage. And there's, again, it's like, there's coordination, there's teamwork, which is kind of like what we've talked about are some of the strongest levels in this game. It's bringing together all the best elements and then just throwing in the fact that you're fighting against Samus, which is just hilarious. I think it's a really zany uh, it fits the chibi aesthetic of the game and it's just a really zany kind of finale that is actually kind of perfect and i don't think it'll ever be topped as like an idea for a final boss to be honest (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty incredible it's easily the like the silliest bit of the game and like it actually took me by surprise a little bit because the tone of Federation Force is surprisingly serious, I think, for yeah. most of the time. So the immediate moment... I mean, to be fair, I... Because I... Especially when they she first just gets hit with the laser and goes absolutely giant. And I'm like, well, we're fucked, aren't we? Because we're fighting against a giant Samus. Yeah. And then I think it's really funny, though, that it's like, for whatever reason... She can't be stood up 50 foot tall and, you know, <laughs> blasting us with a laser beam. Uh, that's for Prime yeah, 4. She... <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just uh, it goes into, like, giant morph pool. And it can't be emphasized enough how big that morph pool is as well. People are trying to picture this in their heads. Like, yeah. huge morph pool that you're shooting around. But as a fight, it's so good. And after, like, two missions where we'd been, like, struggling against, like, hordes of enemies, it felt like a real, like... A, it was a really fun fight. It wasn't... It was hard, it was difficult, mm-hmm. it was challenging, but it wasn't challenging in like a frustrating way even slightly. Yes. It was so much fun and it felt like a real a real moment that the game everything from that game came together in a really good way. And I wish we'd almost gotten more boss fights with that kind of that sort of boss fight to it. I mean it yeah. wouldn't have been a special turning up, but it was it's what it's easily one of the better boss fights in the game compared to a lot of the static enemies we were we were fighting. Um, and it's yeah it's just it's really really good yeah I, I think it it's set up so well from the rest of the game as well if you think about how much we interacted with the balls throughout and how we had to be precise with them but also like throughout the game you are using that kind of fine aiming in order to hit those specific spots and one of the fun things i found about this fight is it takes a part of the morph balls design that i've always thought about subconsciously of like there's that like dot in the middle of the morph ball like i like it from a design perspective but i never really thought about it that is the weak point of the morph ball so yeah i, d- I don't know what like kind of technological implications that has but um <laughs> that spot on the morph ball is how you uh basically get samus into a state where you can damage her so you kind of like deactivate the shield essentially and then you can toss her against the electric fence and you know do damage yeah. that way um uh, but then also, like, she's climbing about the ceiling because they have the spider ball mm, tracks in the room. So and so cool. she starts attaching to those and, and moving around. Just so Metroid Prime. Like, it's just such a yeah. thing I remember of playing Metroid Prime 1 is the spider ball mechanics and all the puzzles you do as that. And it was like a real... Because the spider ball before that had only been the Metroid 2, I want to say. And then right, yes. this was like, oh, wow, that's a really cool utilization of it in 3D. So, like, that is what's so great about this boss is it brings together something that's so core to federation force blast ball but then the spider ball is very core to metroid prime i would argue and then you've got the whole co-op thing which is obviously unique to federation force it's just a really great coming together it's very fresh well i loved it because the spider ball tracks were always there as well but we didn't notice them as part of the design of the arena until she started using them 
yes. in the Morpool mm. thing. That was a really cool moment. Like it was always there on the ceiling, but it was only when she sort of like used the spider ball tracks. We're like, oh my god, it's the spider ball! Yeah, and like there was Morpool bombs being dropped as well that was like damaging us. And uh, yeah, a really really good fight. Um, but weirdly, not the not the final fight in the game. Right, like I think right because there's an escape sequence afterwards, um, and you actually we fight something else, right? Like after yeah, that. you're forgetting about uh, Master Brain. Oh right, yes, that is true. Which is funny because we kind of cheesed it in terms of like you guys were like standing by the door and were like, I I can damage this thing without moving through the door and activating the cutscene. Yeah, and like when we did take down Master Brain, I think that's why I forgot it because it was so quick. It was just so basically... quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I re- like what Bally was saying about like the the prime stuff. I got that with Master Brain as well because it was basically it's obviously Mother Brain's the inspiration, but it was also designed way more closely to the Aurora units from Metroid Prime Three, mm. and that felt like a real callback because uh, Federation Force is meant to take place after Prime Three with the destruction of like Phaser and stuff like that, oh, okay. and um, and having that like aurora unit which was a really big sort of plot point in prime three be the final boss of this game also felt like it was tying everything back in together in a really really cool way um but but yeah i mean compared to the samus fight it was just nothing right that was, yeah that totally was... yeah i think the fact i forgot it says says all you need to know but um yeah it's interesting that it does try and call back to to mother brain stuff but yeah, it, it was very just like static, right? And you just kind of hammer it while there are enemies around at the same time. I think there are enemies like around uh, there. So like one of us was holding off regular enemies while, uh, you know, the other two were kind of focused on, on the main kind of yeah. core. Um, and then you but then the, you uh, do have an escape sequence after that, right? Yeah. I think, yeah. We get the moment yeah. where the four like brutes turn up, like the really big oh, ones. Oh, yes. yeah. No, and yes. we're, and we were like, to. absolutely not. Uh-huh. And then who comes to save <laughs> yes. the day? But Samus, and I think that was a really cool moment because I think all three of us saw that little cutscene with the four enemies come out, like four of the hardest, like, yeah, like regular enemies dropped. in the game. Yeah, and all three of us just groaned, and then to, <laughs> yeah. they knew exactly what they were doing when Samus just kills them all in one shot from like the thing. And you're like, oh, okay, awesome, we're out. Yeah, here. good. It's brilliant because to put it into context, these bruiser enemies are they're very big and bulky, but they have specific spots that they're weak. So they have like these green, it almost. You know, it's funny with Tears of the Kingdom. Looks like the kind of glue that they use in Tears of the Kingdom to gel stuff together. I was just about to say that. Yeah, they like um, what's the phrase? I can't remember what the, the power is called in Tears of the Kingdom now. But yeah, ultra yeah, hand, ultra, ultra hand <laughs> stuff. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, it felt well. Here we go. Next level, inspiring uh, Nintendo EAD <laughs> years <laughs> years before. Um, but yeah, the bruises look like they're stuck together with that kind of green glue, and that green glue is where you hear their weak spots but it's really hard to hit and like when they're moving around they're really annoying and they have a lot of health and so you know the context there is like you see four of those guys you're like oh for fuck's sake I i've gone through so much and i don't want to fight them <laughs> so the relief that samus just takes one missile and they all blow up is just it's amazing like it's so good so um yeah they, they definitely nailed that i think um yeah and and then and then i think you you kind of there's a whole thing where you kind of like go out into space right like you're like floating through space it might be part of the escape sequence right um and then you're kind of uh saved by the gunship um and and that's it and that's credits and metro prime federation forces uh is done and um yeah and, and i think that overall it was just a really good kind of cap to things and as you were saying matt like the the previous two missions is kind of like 
gone a little bit low, but then I think it just finishes on on such a high. Um, oh yeah, I think um, yeah makes it makes it stand out. So yeah, they um, did, they didn't fall into the classic trap of making the final mission the hardest mission, which yes. I I don't like in most games to be honest. Like whenever you get towards like the real right at the end and things start to get like frustratingly difficult, I'm always like you could just tone this down a bit. Like I'm not here for the challenge at this point. I'm here to see see the ending. Like every yeah. JRPG ever, just that final boss. Yes. Just <laughs> brutal. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, there, there was one other thing I want to say about the the Samus fight, which um, again is like is, is foreshadowing stuff. But from a gameplay perspective, is like they train you throughout the game with some of these enemies. So like in Mission Five, the um, the Gripterax ball enemy that basically does what Samus does, where it kind of charges up and charges towards you, and you do start to learn that kind of like side dodge out the way mm-hmm. in order to get past those those enemies as well. And that comes back a few times. And then it is kind of like, now it's a really big ball, so you really have to anticipate it coming towards you. So, yeah, I think in just multiple different ways, the game builds itself up to a finale that is basically a test of everything you've learned up to that point um, about the game from a combat perspective. And I think that's just, it's just a really great cap overall on on everything. So, yeah, yeah. so metro prime federation force turns out good video game uh yep. <laughs> that's yep. a lot of a <laughs> lot of excellent things going for it um are there any things that we haven't touched on that you guys like oh i need to talk about this part of the game um, that we just haven't gotten to kudos to next level for stealing at least three sound clips directly from luigi's mansion dark moon that um are right. in this game i couldn't believe um, it when you heard this sure, yeah but, one yeah. of them is the charge beam <laughs> Uh, it sounds exactly like the flashlight in Luigi's Mansion. The other one is the hover sound in but when you're when you're doing the the, the long jump in Federation Force mm. is the same as one of the vacuum noises apparently. Um, and then there's one more I've forgotten, but those are at least two that they've definitely yeah. Um, for, for context, we were about five minutes into this game, and Bally's like, "I know that sound effect like out of nowhere, just like <laughs> unbelievable it. ear, like what the hell?" <laughs> yeah, and it's not stealing when you're the same developer. So, um, but no, yeah, no, no, clever, level, well clever done. reuse of resources, Re- right? Reusing like, resources, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I I've just got one question, I guess, which yeah. is, do you guys want Metroid Prime Federation Force Two? Oh boy, I mean, it's uh, you know me. Uh, the person who has played one Metro Prime game, it being this. Well, I, I guess technically <laughs> yes. two. If you, ca- if you count Prime Pinball, um, then this <laughs> is the best not. Metro Prime game uh, that I have played. Uh, yeah, obviously the two. I've only played the two best Metro Prime games, Pinball and Federation Force. Um, so, like, yeah, I mean, I absolutely love this. I, I would love to see. I think they have to be careful about it, right? Like, you can't call it Federation Force Two. You almost no. have to disguise it in order to do another thing like this and metroid prime 4 it, right yeah <laughs> you know like if nintendo yeah. want, ever want to go games as a service the four right like, stands for four players yeah. yes um, <laughs> that's what i was thinking i because so much of this game seems like it would have done a lot better if it had been free to play and stuff like the right. mod chips and like we haven't even touched on it's a small part of it but there are cosmetics like we had yes. different skins yeah. for the ships and you could scan in the amiibo to get you know special skins and like that's stuff that could you know be microtransactions and while that is i would rather pay the money to you know 30 quid get the game don't worry about that if they were ever going to do a successful version of federation force 
it's pretty well designed mm. to be a free-to-play game. You know, mod chips, you could pay money to get extra slots for mod chips. Um, there's there's a lot that could be done there. Um, whether you either do it free-to-play or you, if it was like, I don't know, bundled in with Prime yeah, 4 or yeah. like a multiplayer mode or something like that. The thing is, Nintendo just don't do multiplayer campaigns. Like, even in the game like Splatoon, the, the campaign is single-player. Like, I think that... Out of this game and Triforce Heroes, can you remember the last multiplayer campaign Nintendo made? Like, I just, it just yeah. feels like it's so against what they fundamentally believe in. And I don't know. I, I would absolutely love it because I would love a multiplayer Metroid game that, that wasn't on 3DS because it obviously like, hurt my hands a bit. But I, like I said, the, yeah. the 3D was great. But I think the Switch or the sequel to the Switch, like, I think I would absolutely love to get some co op shooting in there. But, um, doesn't feel very nintendo in some ways but ultimately there's a lot of nintendo design in this game that's the weird thing so i'd love to see a sequel oh tons right yeah yeah i think that's the thing that stands out about it is like it it feels very hand crafted you know like Mm. every space every level every objective and you know as we talked about the variety of stuff that happens in this game it yeah it it feels uh, at many points like like a zelda game right or like a, a game that has an approach to its design that is within the Nintendo mold and you you can feel it right any other company making this game would have made what we all expected which is kind of the halo approach of like are we just going to go through generic levels and just shoot a bunch of guys and that's going to be the template and every level will look slightly different and will be a different environment but fundamentally it'll just be going through corridors and shooting people and this just has a bit more mechanical depth and nuance to it that I think makes it stand out and I don't know I I I wish that Nintendo would do more of this. Like you said, Bali, they barely do it. And I think part of that is because they hadn't they haven't really delved into online cooperative play until around the 3DS era, right? Yeah. Because nothing previous to that um, was good enough. Or even like Salmon Run is one example. Like, But there's yeah. very yeah. few examples. Yeah. Like Four Swords, obviously, back in the day was mm-hmm. an idea that kind of did that but you had to have four gbas and it was all local on gamecube um nothing kind of online focused in that way um and yeah it's definitely an area i would like to see explored a bit more um because it feels quite underserved and i think that there are a lot of people on on nintendo's platform especially these days um would would like to see some more stuff like that um so yeah um the thing that I wanted to shout out was uh, we were right before the boss on Mission 7, and I was like, this feels like uh, Ceres from Metroid Fusion. And what pops out <laughs> of the water? A giant fucking snake that looks like Ceres. In fact, two of them. Two uh, of which them, I think yeah. I think that fight definitely is a reference to, to that boss, um, which I thought was really cool. But yeah, it's another example of like, yeah, this feels like kind of a Zelda boss. These two snakes, you're on a kind of an ice floating platform and they kind of move across the sky. It's like, um, oh, what's the big dragon in Ocarina? The the fire kind of dragon guy. Oh, God. Um, begins with Val- Volvagia. Volvagia? Volvagia, right? Um, it feels like Volvagia almost where like you're on that platform and they're moving around in the sky above you. And um, yeah, and that fight definitely required a bit more kind of fine control of the aiming to to shoot off the, uh, the different... Um, shell parts or the the armor uh that was was covering them but um yeah like stuff like that where like just unique boss fights just coming out of nowhere and being like oh okay this is doing something slightly different and we have to focus slightly different and have to communicate slightly differently every time um 
you know like there, there are levels where like the one they showed off in the treehouse um or the actually that level itself where there was there was a tricky thing you could open the gate from the outside but i think not from the inside and so someone would have to go in there to bait the big tight ice titan in and then you have to time it perfectly and you have to like sometimes make use of the slow down power i think matt used that once to like slow one of them down um in order to just like keep them in the cage before they manage to escape and there's a finickiness to that but i think also it wasn't similar to anything else in the game and we never did anything like it again yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah i think i think that is the name of the game here is, is just variety and and the amount they managed to pack in in you know in 10 hours and uh it's 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 a great thing um and i'm very happy that we managed to play it you know yeah i'm um, i've had such a good time it was one of those games that always felt like it was going to be a little bit outreach and um i think we we we'd mentioned it a while back didn't we and then yeah it... i i think i had said on twitter multiple times like hey if anyone wants to play federation yeah. force with me and bali a Co- couple know. of years ago mbz was like bali you gotta go buy federation forces it's five quid <laughs> at argos now go and get it i was like okay it's five quid fine and i didn't have yeah yeah high expectations that we'd ever get around to actually doing it but very glad to have done it yeah but it, it felt it felt like if we didn't do it soon like the further away we got and the closer we got to whenever mm. online will shut down or whatever right yeah. it's always going to get yeah. yeah more and more difficult um I've, I've got one one more little question actually if we're still yeah. in sort of spoiler territory then, for sure yeah um do you think that silux mm. from metroid prime hunters that apparently is a really big deal now in the prime series is going to yep. be the villain in prime 4 because of the secret ending in federation force yeah so so what is the secret ending basically i think he like goes up to a metroid egg or something along those yeah. lines is that correct and then hatches the metroid egg mm. so he's like it looks like silex is breaking into the federation he hatches a metroid egg and that's it and it's so weird that he's been the post credits villain in both metroid prime 3 and in federation force that surely they can't now not do anything with that. Yeah, I mean, I think it will be because of Prime 3, not Federation Force, but I think definitely <laughs> onto something. Is, um, is it Tabata, who's the guy who like worked with Retro uh, on the Prime series, was he involved in Federation Force in any way? Because I think that That's informs like what what happens with the story, because if that is something that... I mean, they probably had to kind of square this away with retro anyway with the plans for what's going forward um although actually at that point in time retro wouldn't have been working on metroid prime because originally they were going to do it internally at nintendo and then obviously everything went wrong and they had to move it over there so i don't know i I guess he must have been involved in some way in order to kind of green light that or at least say like hey this is this is going to set up something if we ever get to do a metro prime 4 which eventually they did i can't find is it tabata did you say yeah, I think so. I can't so, find yeah. him on the Wikipedia article, not that that's definitive. Okay. But. I might be getting the name wrong. Is it Tana- yeah. Tanabe as well? Oh, Tanabe, or... sorry. Uh, that's, yeah. that's exactly how I'm talking about. Tanabe, yes. Tanabe was a producer on Federation Force. Well, there you go. Yeah. 
I, I think that makes a lot of sense then because he he's the one who is basically he's kind of opposed to Sakamoto like Sakamoto is the 2D lineage of Metroid and doesn't really get involved with the Prime stuff and has almost his own narrative like you know as they were talking about with Dread and all the marketing there was like finally finishing the story of since uh, Metroid Fusion oh, yeah. continuing yeah. on the legacy um, and um, Tanabe is separate yeah, from that because he worked with Retro yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think so. I think Silux has a shot of being important uh, in Metro Prime 4. Um, I don't know much about Silux, if I'm honest. I don't know. He's like, an right? interesting character. Yeah, well, that's, that's the interesting thing. He started in Hunters, which was a um, a game that was developed by Nintendo of America. Their, their internal development team, while that still existed, um, which later shut down after... Do you remember Project Hammer for the Wii? Yeah, absolutely Project Hammer, yeah. That was also going to be developed by the by the sort of the prime hunters team and apparently you know that sort of all went to went quite poorly and then disappeared but uh but yeah it doesn't seem like Solix was like an important part of it but apparently it was you know tanabe's favorite hunter and he's sort of interested but yeah all we know about Silux is that he well no it's not even he i think it's technically they because you're not supposed oh, to know okay. who's underneath right and they hate the galactic federation and use a load of galactic federation stolen technology and that's it huh. Okay. So it it's got to build up to something, right? Like, is it Adam? Yeah. Is Adam alive? <laughs> oh god, here we go. These are the, <laughs> the wild theories. Yeah, man, that would be uh, that or would be very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, like, I don't. It, does Adam exist within the Prime Can I guess technically they all are supposed to exist together, but like, yeah, Adam is very much a Sakamoto character versus um, uh, the Metro Prime lineage. Uh, but yeah, he, I mean, he has to exist within it if they all tie together. So. Um, yeah that's that's very interesting i never thought about that um but um but yeah i mean i'm I'm, you know i will play metro prime this year and uh you know here's the funny thing i won't be surprised if i come out the other side of metro prime and i still prefer federation force as a game (laughs) i I think the federation force speaks a bit to more more to my sensibilities and like the kind of the bite-sized nature of it the way in which it has different like approach to mission design and you know, I I think it set me up well to go into Metro Prime and to have a better time than I would have otherwise. Um, but I am I am curious. Um, I I do hope that kind of like the the new version helps with uh, kind of getting me in there. Obviously, from a controls perspective, but also just like a kind of like a bit more modern look and and that type of stuff. So um, yeah, I'd be I'd be so. surprised if it if it didn't. It, it's it's a real strong showing and like i know bally was saying he's going to try out the new controls and they're they're the default if you don't look at the settings at all you get twin stick controls mm, from the that's good. From okay the cool yeah uh which is good i think because it's probably because most people picking up this in modern day just expect that out the box and it might be weird if you have to go into a menu yeah. to change to the default controls for any first person game of the last decade right <laughs> um so yeah i think that makes sense um Awesome. Uh, any more final thoughts that anybody has? Or are we are we good to send this off into the sun <laughs> for the final time with Metro Prime Federation Force? I'm I'm quite. I, I just had such a good time with it. It was it was a. I was expecting it to be a sort of a six out of ten experience, and it was it was quite a bit above that for me. Like I I never mm-hmm. really read the reviews. I was wasn't that interested in yeah, knowing same. about it. So I think I saw a Metacritic score and just assumed that it wasn't that worth playing. Yeah. And um, it just, if you've got the right environment for it and the right amount of players and you can get together and play it, 
it's 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 well worth playing it's great yeah way way better than what i expected and really glad to have finally played it and i i want to withdraw my voice from the chorus of negativity from 2015 because um it definitely deserves a lot more (laughs) praise than than what we gave it back then and it is it is the the tropical freeze of its era i would even go as far as to say um although it's not quite as good as tropical freeze i just think that if you talk about an e3 reception and then actually when you play the game it being quite good i think that it falls into that category yeah i mean sadly it it just will never get the same redemption arc that tropical freeze managed to have (laughs) um but uh you know for us it did for us it has (laughs) (laughs) absolutely um so yeah absolutely i uh I, i love this thing and i think um it's it's uh if you can you know if if you can before nintendo inevitably shuts down the online for the 3ds and for the wii u which i think part of the reason we did this as well is like hey the eShop is shutting down and has now shut down so uh, you know the funny thing was like we had to download an update for this and i don't know if you can get that update anymore which might be a, a little bit of a tricky situation but um you know if if you find four people uh, out there to play this with uh, or three people um then go for it because it is uh, a unique experience and uh, one of those rare things that not many people will get to say that they played all the way through metro prime federation force online on 3ds um and uh yeah it's, it's a nice nice badge of honor um so uh, that is going to do us for today's show uh matt thank you so much for first of all joining us on this journey to play through this entire game for 10 hours over a month and a half but also for uh for coming on the show and chatting with us about it oh mate no no like i thank you guys like i i've been wanting to play this for so long and uh you know it was it was super fun the game itself was super fun but also just hanging out with you guys was was great fun and uh and i i love i love talking about video games i could i could probably keep keep going but i won't yeah yeah thank you for having me fantastic um if uh, people want to find you out there on the internet where can they go to do that uh i am at matt lorigan on twitter uh i so m-a-t-t-l-o-r-r-i-g-a-n uh i write for xboxachievements.com and playstationtrophies.org so if you you know you're looking for trophy guides for resident evil 4 and stuff like that i've probably written them um and yeah i think that's that's about it for me very cool uh yeah and uh, you're telling us how many times you had to play through resident evil 4 in order to do yes. that uh so uh very thorough very thorough indeed yeah i think um, six now maybe <laughs> yeah wow it's a lot it's a lot uh, it's a good game though right uh, from yeah, it's, yeah so, it's good it's yeah, good <laughs> yeah, absolutely um awesome well you can find us as well on the internet bally where can they find you i'm on twitter at ballymyan91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 um but you probably knew that already Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find me at lord nbz and you can follow the twitter account at tnl podcast that is where you can go to get uh, all the the bonus uh, stuff about the show uh, announcements that type of stuff um, and links to our discord our youtube channel uh, where the show uh, gets posted uh, you can obviously find us uh, on the internet if you download us through uh, spotify which is a growing platform uh, for the podcast so if you can go there and you can find us you can review us on there you can also find us through apple Podcasts, through stitcher uh, through lots of other means and if you just search for this Nintendo Life in your pod catching app of choice, you should be able to find us uh, and download us. Uh, and Bali, we are also supported on Patreon.com, where uh, some nice folks uh, 
help us out and uh, you know we do some bonus episodes and that sort of thing so if you go to patreon.com slash this nintendo life uh, you can find uh, some stuff over there and bali would like to thank some folks yes thank you to all our ten dollar tier plus patrons they are zach s thomas matthew albert and wicked gamer uk allen thank you all for your support uh and thank you to all of our other patrons it's hugely appreciated the support that you give the show absolutely um and i think i think that's it um so shout out to samus for coming through saving us <laughs> at the last minute uh that was that was real nice um and uh yeah we'll we'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks time uh with another episode that we'll probably talk a bit more about zelda then <laughs> so um uh but uh but yeah uh thanks everybody uh and uh, we'll see you very soon bye bye folks